0: Mr. Pop. <laughs> Dark And the little birds are nasty and I listen to them too. There's two lonesome people in the whole wide world. That's and the man in the moon.
1: Hello, and welcome to Miskatonic University Radio, the podcast exploring fantasy flight games as Arkham Horror the Card Game. I'm Dane.
0: I'm Dan. And I'm Ben.
1: And today we're going to take a look at the new investigators introduced in the Circle Undone expansion with another special guest, the writer of Shiloh Horror Blog, Graham. Hey, what's up, guys? Hello, Graham. Graham, it's great to have you here. So Graham also, uh, just for those, for those who are experienced uh, in the greatest competitive card game of all time, Netrunner, Graham also produced the podcast uh, Shiffrin from Shiloh. And it was a great, uh, very informative podcast about uh, the great game. Yeah, thanks, man. It's good to be back on the airwaves. Yeah, absolutely. It's great to have you here. So, Graham, did you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of your experience with uh, Arkham Horror and, like, you know, H.P. Lovecraft? How did you get here, Graham?
2: Sure, sure, sure. So um, I spent the past couple of years going religiously to my local game store uh, to play netrunner sorry ben we have to bring him netrunner again You're here, here that's my, I mean, that's my background yes just you gotta move fast. it's fine <laughs> <laughs> um and so i uh kind of helped establish and and build up a, a netrunner scene there and we got to maybe 12 or 14 players that were coming out most tuesdays uh in 2018 uh and uh you know i made a lot of friends with these netrunner players and when arkham came out the year before. Uh, one of those guys had come up to me and said, like, Graham, this Arkham game, it seems really cool. It's got really good reviews. And we like played it and, uh, we sat down with terrible starter decks and he, he, he like made two stacks for his encounter deck. And he, for, so we're playing the gathering and he's like, okay, here's the ghouls, here's the crypt chills, like all that stuff that goes into, uh, the scenario. And then he, Leaves his house with the other encounter deck. So the first time I played, it was like the gathering with cultists. And it was oh, no. really terrible. What? It oh, was really no. bad. Yeah. And we're playing with terrible decks. And my takeaway from like, we, I think we played that in Midnight Masks. Oh, sure, sure. My takeaway was that, holy cow, Arkham is too hard. This <laughs> this game is so punishing. It was like, you know, I I'm not a huge Dark Souls person, but... It was, it was very analogous to, like, the repeated punching in the gut that the game gives you. <laughs> so, like, I wasn't huge on that. Uh, and then I waited, like, a year and a half, maybe. And then uh, RIP Netrunner, were announcing the end. And, you know, I went through, like, a couple weeks of grieving. And then I started looking into other card games to fill this Netrunner-shaped hole in my life. And uh, I found a collection for sale for Arkham. That was like everything up to that point. Uh, that was like half price or less. And I was like, sold. I'll try it. Why not? And I- I've been addicted ever since. So there you go.
3: That's really cool that, uh, you know, like you were saying, even though you're kind of upset about the the crazy difficulty, the first time you played it there, there must've been some stuff about it that really appealed to you for you to come back later and like, give it another try.
2: Yeah. You know, I think I brought it up with my netrunner guys and was like, yeah, you know, I'm not sure. I, I kind of want to keep doing this and I kind of want to keep meeting up to play games. And I just don't know what game we should all play. And someone was like, well, I really want to keep trying Arkham out. And so I kind of gave it another look and kind of thought about how, like my first couple stabs at a deck were probably not finely tuned. <laughs> I wasn't going to give myself that much credit. So, um, and because I found it for such a good price, I was like, sure. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll give it a shot. And, um, I think the big thing for me was I knew I could play it solo. So that was another reason why I could buy in and I started playing in some solo two-handed games and was like, Oh man, wait a second. This is really good. <laughs> uh, sure.
1: So once, once you were actually uh, following the rules and everything and, and it, it, it went really well. And right. Yeah. Cool. Turns
2: out gathering with cultists is really bad, but <laughs> gathering with ghouls is very good. So, um, so question for you guys when you first started playing Arkham. Uh, specifically not Ben, sorry, Ben, I do appreciate you. <laughs> Dane and Dan, when you guys started playing Arkham, did you do the thing that I did, which was like, try to find all of the best economy cards and put them in your deck because that's how Netrunner works. <laughs> yeah. And then you realize like, oh, I have 15 resources and nothing to do with these things. Why did I do this?
1: That's a very interesting point.
3: Well, the, uh, the corset's actually kind of helpful about that by not really providing very much in the way of econ cards. So you kind of that's just true. have to play the yeah. ones that are available. That's true.
1: Yeah, I mean, you've you've got like emergency cash is like your your uh the direct transition or translation to a hedge fund or whatever that would be. Uh sure gamble. Mm-hmm. I remember getting into the game and and Dan it was just this random thing that Dan presented to me. It was before they announced uh the death of Netrunner and Dan just kind of mentioned it as like, well, maybe we can play this. And then we did and it was amazing and we were hooked just immediately.
2: Yeah. Uh so so now that I've got this exposure now I'm falling into Fantasy Flight's trap of like being more interested in Lovecraft, <laughs> and now I'm more interested in their Arkham Files characters. Perfect. And I played like uh, Mansions of Madness, the 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 good second edition, not the crappy first one. Oh yes, and uh, I played that like last week, and I loved it. And so it's it's their their fandom generating marketing strategy.
1: Oh, absolutely, and it's great. I, I think all of the games kind of offer something very different.
2: Yeah. I, but I think, I think, for me,
1: Arkham Horror offers everything that Netrunner did, like the deck building aspect and all that, uh, and it's, it's just, it, it feels like home, you know? And when I'm playing Mansions of Madness mm-hmm. or when I'm playing, like, Eldritch Horror, it's like, they're good, and they're, like, different playgrounds, and I love them, but...
2: Yeah, that's good. I, th- I think the thing that stands out for me is I can flex my creative deck building muscles Yes. and then just tailor the difficulty level of the chaos bag to how janky my deck is.
1: <laughs> Perfect.
2: You know? Yeah, that's pretty cool. So, if I'm trying to do like a cool solo mark, I can do that on hard. And if I want to make my like combat Jenny, I can do that on standard. And if I want to do like scavenging men with, <laughs> you know, bulletproof vests and stuff, oh, yes. you know, I can do that on easy or something. So,
1: yeah, yeah.
2: Or solo gym. Solo gym on easy is. is about right
1: (laughs) so graham speaking about uh uh investigators we have a whole new swath of investigators who were introduced in the circle undone
2: yeah dude uh we
1: wanted to see kind of what your insight was on uh the new the new crew uh and woohoo uh we just kind of wanted to move into the the ones who are new specifically to the circle undone Carolyn Fern, we, we kind of did an episode before about, not that we don't want to talk about Carolyn with you, but I think that a lot of people have analyzed Carolyn at this point. Is that right?
2: Yeah, I mean, that's my impression, too. And um, yeah, hey, uh, shout out, listener, if you have not checked out uh, the Miskatonic's Carolyn Fern episode, what is it, Deck Building and Dynamite, I think you called yes, it? Yes, yeah. Yeah, go listen to that right now. It's really, really good. <laughs> Uh,
1: thanks well thank you yeah, yeah it was uh it was a lot of fun to do i think carolyn's a very interesting investigator and she did get uh i wouldn't call them buffs because that's not the right word for this game but she definitely got a better signature card and a better weakness that she can kind of include and, and things don't go awry like immediately <laughs> Dan and i have yeah. a very bad experience with carolyn <laughs> and which which forces to pack her in like right away but
2: yeah have you guys done uh carcosa with carolyn we because you're like oh horror yeah that makes sense she's gonna heal all the horror you take in carcosa yeah. and then you do uh the last king the second scenario mm-hmm. oh yeah and her weakness shows up really early it's oh, attached to yes. the agenda and the agenda never actually flips right it just resets oh yeah so and, do- and so then like you lose like seven rounds dooming the night just from away that thing showed up oh it's terrible
0: absolutely definitely had that happen when i tried to play it with my roommate i was like oh i'm gonna try carolyn it'll be fine and then oh hmm I guess, I guess the scenario is over after five mm. minutes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> cool.
1: Yeah. So, so we didn't r- really want to talk about Carolyn too much today. Uh, we did want to talk about Marie though, because I think that Marie was a little more like uh, exclusive for people. People haven't really explored as much Marie. Um, I
3: think very few people actually had access to Marie because you had to pre-order. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And
1: for me, proxying is just not allowed. I'm going to, I'm going (laughs) to, I'm going to buy as many copies as I need to do things. Weirdo.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Magic background over there. Yes. Uh, Yeah. Marie came out as like a promo for, what is it? The Investigators' Horror Investigators book. Investigators of Book. But even if you bought that book now, like she wouldn't be in it. It was just like when you pre-ordered it or something.
1: Right. It was a in an exclusive pre-order. It was
2: before the Arkham card game even came out. So Exactly. Like,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: It uh, wasn't oh. like a big if they had like released it like a couple months after the Arkham card game came out, then it would have sold so much one they would have sold so many pre-orders. I don't know. But right. it also came <laughs> yeah. with a
3: super cool Azathoth playmat, which is really really neat.
0: Yes, it did, yeah, which is
3: fun.
1: which oh, wow. is which is not nearly as known about and it is very cool looking. Uh it's like a big skull Anamorphic sort of like skull, it's like a face. skull rubus cube. Yeah, yeah. So, so what we wanted to talk about, though, we want to talk about the new guys who came out in in uh, in Circle and Done. So let's just kick things off with talking about. Uh, normally we would do the Guardian, uh, but Carolyn, we just kind of said that we would set aside for now. So let's uh, kick things off with Joe Diamond, uh, Captain Captain Hunch. He is a private investigator. Uh, he's a detective, kind of similar to Roland, although Roland is a, um, fed and not, not so much detective. I guess it's the same thing. Uh, but so, Joe Diamond has a a very interesting mechanic called the hunch deck. He's effectively playing with two decks at once, where the, his additional requirements kind of, uh, flesh it out. He has a deck that must include at least 11 inside events, including unsolved case, which is his weakness. Um, and you basically just shuffle those up and they become a separate, Hunch deck. And he has his deck building requirements. He's a Seeker main, level 0 to 5, Guardian, level 0 to 2, uh, and then neutral cards, level 0 to 5. Um, his deck size is 40, um, but I believe because you're splitting your deck up, um, you have far less than that uh, because of all the insights that are coming out and going into your Hunch deck. Things that are played off of the top of his Hunch deck are cheaper uh, with his ability. Um, he reveals the top of his hunch deck at the beginning of every investigator phase, and then he can play that thing for cheaper. His signature card is a pair of guns that take up both, uh, both of your hand slots. They're very similar to the, the 45s in that they use four ammo. They give you, uh, you spend one ammo to fight, you get plus one, uh, damage and fight, uh, or, uh, strength for it. And it kind of helps you refuel your insight, uh, your, your hunch deck, sorry, with insight events. Otherwise, they cost four. They're an asset, um, and they commit for uh, wild and a strength and a in- uh, intelligence. His weakness is a four cost event that uh, places one of your clues on a location with the highest shroud and kind of removes itself from the game. And uh, if it would ever be shuffled into your your hunch deck, you add it to your threat area instead. So it basically makes it so that he gets two fewer experience um, in a similar way to Skids and his hospital debts. Uh, so all in all, it's not that bad of a uh, of a weakness.
2: Yeah, does Roland's weakness, if you don't get the clues, is that a trauma for him, or is that XP?
1: Yeah, yeah. So what do we think about Joe? How do, how are we feeling about uh, his stats? Right away, I don't like that he has two will, but I'm willing to put up with it because he is Seeker and Guardian.
2: Yeah, that's it's crazy. That's a powerful combination, I think.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I'm uh, I'm pretty excited for it. I think that the, the hunch deck, I, I don't know, it's too early to really be sure how great it'll be, but it's just like a cool, interesting thing that will make uh, him play differently. One thing that I often find is when you're playing a seeker, if you're kind of playing a seeker in a way that is most advantageous to winning the scenario, usually you're just investigating like almost all of your actions and that can get a little bit boring sometimes. So the more fun seekers, like Daisy has an extra action to use books. And Ursula has kind of like the fun movement thing are sort of like giving you something else to do while still getting clues, so I think that it's just cool that you're gonna be playing this guy, you're probably gonna be getting a lot of clues, maybe you're fighting a little bit, but you just kind of have this hunch deck as like a kind of fun unpredictable thing that'll make the game kinda of interesting.
0: figuring out which cards are put in your hunch deck uh I think deck building wise will be pretty interesting because there's definitely a lot of inside events, but you'll have to think like. You you want ones that because you only have the one turn to play it so you want cards that you can, are more general or you want to maybe when you're playing think about like setting yourself up so like oh if I get this it'll be great and I can I can play a card,
3: yeah it's so it's worth mentioning that there are, uh, most insights are seeker cards um or and a lot of seeker cards are insights there's also some in other colors but it's like mostly seekers a little bit of guardian cards, um, including a lot of pretty good ones like things like preposterous sketches. And working a hunch are both things that cost two resources and are like pretty good cards that see play. So being able to play those, especially like sketches where as long as you're on a place with a clue or can get to it, you can, you'd pretty much as happily play that anytime. So I think, I think that there's at least a baseline of like, it's not going to be too hard to fill out that 11 cards with pretty good insight cards.
1: Yeah, for sure. I think it's definitely uh, a seeker based thing. Uh, I know that they also have like they can upgrade it into very, very strong insights like um, cryptic research and eidetic memories to like kind of recur those things. I believe um, I thought that shortcut is also uh, basically
2: insight, every
3: seeker right, event kind of has is a- insight. <laughs> so. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So he's he's at no, la- uh, no lack of uh, insights to choose from.
3: For Guardian ones, he can play like Emergency Aid and uh, Evidence. I, cool. I don't know if all these would actually oh, make yeah, sense yeah, yeah. in the deck, but Scene of the Crime. So there's at least a few options for Guardian cards too.
2: Yeah. Uh, I think my hot take on Joe Diamond is that he's like just having not played with him, just reading it. He's like maybe one of the strongest investigators period, top three, top five, something like that. He he does the two things that you want to do really, really well. I don't think that two willpower is going to hold him back at all, mostly due to higher education. Uh, and he's going to be able to pump into higher education oh because of all the money he's saving from his ability because he gets the two discount oh on all those hunches. So, I mean, I don't know, man. I think... Yeah. Like Roland is, is like very good, but gets held back from his economy and Joe in theory doesn't have access to good economy except that he does because he has Milan. So the only, (laughs) the only economy you ever ever need, the only, the
3: only thing I would say is I think that he's, so he's very flexible. I think that you can play this guy and he'll be pretty good at fighting and getting clues, but he, he probably won't be as good at fighting as like a full on guardian. And I think he's probably not going to be quite as good at getting clues. I mean, you could make a version of him that's like very clue heavy and isn't fighting as much, but that seems like not really the direction that his cards are kind of pushing you in. So I think he's definitely going to be the best kind of like hybrid fighter and clue finder person, um, which is definitely a good kind of a role to fill. So
2: yeah. Strong solo.
1: He is probably exactly. I was just about to say that. I think he's going to be very, very strong solo. And as a, like a, just two. He's he's going to be nuts in solo Uh, like him, him and Roland, like kind of fill out everything that they would ever need to do. Uh, so it's kind of it'd be kind of cool to see them too because they're they're very similar in uh, in, in design and they're both detectives and, and well he's a fed uh, Roland is a fed rather but they are, they both are kind of shooty they'd be they'd be, they'd be a pretty go good like uh, buddy guys.
0: cop show because like yeah uh, Roland's like a skeptic guy you yeah. know he's the sure uh, the scully and Joe Diamond's like all into like looking into the weird stuff and finding it all out so like X, X yeah, he's X, the Mulder right? yeah Mulder
3: yeah excellent yeah. X-Files perfect there, so.
0: yeah right <laughs> I'm, I'm into it. I
3: like
1: it. Plus, he, he's kind of got this, like, Clint Eastwood smolder. He's like a sort of a... Ooh, yeah. Uh, yeah, he's kind of got that Clint uh, Eastwood yeah, thing going uh,
2: Something I like about Roland is because he can do fight and clues pretty well, then when you're doing him, mm. like, as a duo, you can pair him up with someone like Calvin or Mateo, who's really, like, support and mm. kind of aggro while Roland reloads. And um, that's kind of a unique pairing. And so Joe Diamond can take on that role in a row role. So like Joe and Calvin or Joe and Preston or something like that.
1: I'm eager to see how the, uh, his hunch deck works. I think that's, that's, that's him, right? Like he is Captain Hunch, the Hunchening.
3: I mean, the best case scenario is if you can fill up your hunch deck entirely with things that like cost two resources and like give you money or cards or do things that you just kind of always want to do. And it's probably not going to quite work out that nicely. But even if you can have half of the deck be things like that and then the other half be things that you pretty frequently want to play, then I think it'll be really good. So it's it's worth mentioning you are going to have to shuffle a lot. You're going to have to shuffle your tiny hunch deck um, every single turn if you play this guy. So keep that in mind if you hate shuffling.
2: <laughs> I'm kind of bummed that you can't use... Like a different color sleeves for your hunch deck, because that would make it really easy. But every oh, time you play yeah. one of those things, they go into your discard pile. So mm-hmm. if you actually cycle through your deck, then you'd be shuffling together two different color sleeves. Yeah. yeah. What, what?
0: So worth mentioning, I don't think his uh, weakness is even going to be that annoying. So. Yeah. Pay two resources. It's and like pay action. two and drop a clue, and then you got to pick the clue up again. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and he's got a lot of access to a lot of fast ways to do that.
3: So it sounds like we're all uh, we're all pretty, have a pretty high opinion of, of Joe Diamond. I think he's definitely pretty exciting. Yeah.
1: Oh, 100%. Yeah, so let's move to the next
3: investigator. All right, the next investigator is Preston Fairmont, the millionaire. Uh, so Preston Fairmont is a rogue. He has the traits Silver Twilight and Socialite. He has one willpower, one intellect, one combat, and one agility. Wow, that's crazy. Uh, that's really bad ones and everything what's what's going on with this is this a misprint (laughs) uh and he has he has seven health and seven sanity (laughs) anytime you gain one or more resources from a card effect place them on family inheritance instead of in your resource pool uh and then elder sign effect is plus zero you can spend two resources to automatically succeed instead so the family inheritance thing is one of his signature cards uh which basically it gains each at the beginning of each turn you put four resources on it and then starts in
2: play like sophie right?
3: Yeah, exactly. So you get this like income of four resources at the beginning of each turn, but it goes on a family inheritance instead of into your resource pool. And you can spend, uh, you can pay for things by using the money on family inheritance. But at the end of the turn, all the money on it goes away unless you spend an action to move all credits, uh, resources from family inheritance into your resource pool uh and then his his signature weakness is lodge debts. debts is in quotes. Uh, I guess we'll all find out uh, what's what's going on with that and once we play the circle undone um it's an Wait. event weakness packed it costs ten resources remove lodge debts from the game forced when the game ends or you're eliminated. If lodge debts is still in your hand, you suffer one, you suffer one mental trauma. So it's kind of like one of these things like cover up where you have to pay some kind of a price to get rid of it. Or otherwise, if it's still around at the end of the game, you get some kind of a permanent um, punishment for it. Uh, Hmm. So, this is Preston's like very strange. Preston's like a very kind of weird investigator where it's you're definitely gonna have to make the deck a certain way and play in a certain way. I think Calvin is like the closest point of comparison so far.
2: Yeah.
3: Um what do you guys what do you guys think about Preston?
1: One thing that I thought was really cool was that his uh his deck building restrictions make it so that he cannot take illicit cards. Oh yeah yeah. yeah. Which uh I definitely just noticed and it's it's a it's a very interesting kind of flavor. It's like
0: half the rogue cards. Um, we,
3: we totally forgot to read, uh, we totally forgot to read the deck building restrictions. Yeah. Rogue cards, level zero to five, survivor cards, level zero to two, neutral cards, zero to five. You cannot play, uh, illicit cards. So kind of the opposite of, of Finn in a way.
1: Yeah. 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 So that's interesting because he's almost like, like opposed to the idea that Finn exists <laughs> just in that Finn is all about illicit things, and he's not about illicit thing, right? He's a millionaire. He doesn't need that, that posh. He doesn't need that Yeah, dash. and there,
3: there, as, as was said, there are a lot of good illicit uh, green cards, so... Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I guess, I mean, I'm not really into the kind of, like, super weird uh, investigators like Calvin usually, so take what I would say about it with a grain of salt, but I, I can't really even begin to imagine how you would make a good Preston deck.
2: Yeah, who on your squad is, like, into the weird decks? I mean,
3: Ben... Ben has played Calvin uh, a little bit, and and Dane plays plays the weird
1: ones sometimes. Ben Ben is a resident Calvin expert. I
0: I, I mean, <laughs> I played Calvin once, well drunk. Uh, so, uh, I mean, I've been trying. Yeah, I've been trying to look at Preston to f- try to get an idea of what he can do, uh, and also I've been like looking at like what some discussion of because there's been a lot of discussion about Preston uh, in the various uh, discussion forums. Yes, but. uh... It seems like there's maybe like two ways to try to get him to work. One of them is uh, it's dark horse him, uh, which I know uh, I know a lot of people uh, in this this circle here are not
2: fans of dark horse. Uh, <laughs> but so uh, dark horse, what it gives you it gives you plus one to all your stats if you are broke. Yeah, and his money on family inheritance right. doesn't count towards that, right? Correct. Yeah.
0: So the idea is. Uh, he can just always be broke, but always have money to, like, spend on events or, like, fire axe or... Being skill, a deranged millionaire, millionaire running around with yeah. an axe. Yeah. So I think, like, that's the base idea for that. I haven't really looked more into it beyond, like, oh, that's, like, a cool uh, synergy there. Um, so maybe he could be, like, good at fire axing a lot. Yeah, that's true. The other way to go about it is to just, uh, like, give him, like, maybe give him Leo or, or Dario or, like, a couple of the other allies that are based around money. Or not, or... Sorry, you either give him you give him Leo to give him an extra action so he can always like pocket his money, um, and then maybe combo him with uh Dario or Lulu so that he can he can benefit a lot from having money. So it's worth mentioning we haven't talked about the new player
3: cards besides investigators in Circle and Done yet, but the new green cards in Circle and Done are kind of in this strategy of powerful effects that you have to pay a lot of money for. So if there were, if there are a lot of cards like that, that are good, that that's like kind of one way to go is to just say, yeah, my stats are bad, but I'm going to use money to make up for it. I kind of like the idea of that kind of deck because you can play things like, um, hired help or whatever. Like there's a couple of green allies that like give you a bonus to things, but you have to pay them every turn. You can play, Mm. you you can play stuff like that. You can play like one of the new green cards is basically like you can, for a skill test, you can use the amount of money that you have instead of the drawing from the chaos bag. So yeah,
1: literally throw money at it.
3: Yeah, and things like uh like Dario, like there are green cards that benefit you for having a huge, ridiculous amount of money. But I think the thing that worries me about it is it seems like you're setting up your whole deck to do that stuff, and at the end of the day, even once it's all running perfectly, you're kind of just back where a normal investigator would would be where you have a couple of good good enough stats to do stuff.
2: It's kind of the Calvin problem, right?
3: Yeah, it just seems like a, like a really like complicated Rube Goldberg way to get to like a not that impressive
2: place. Um I thought the Dark Horse thing would maybe stick pretty well because it seems like it's really easy to activate your dark horse. But yeah, I mean, if you're broke, first of all, your weakness feels real crippling to Mm. me because then all of a sudden you have to turn (laughs) off dark horse for like three or four turns while you build up the funds to pay off this darn lodge debts. And then I don't know, like dark horse, it's easy to turn on. So now he's a two, 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 and he's still garbage. So like, I don't, I don't know. Like, yeah, you can put money into streetwise and, hard knocks or dig deep or something like that too. But now you're just using all of his money to pump up a stat to like a normal level. So what what's that thing that like makes him better than normal? That's what I'm looking for. And I haven't seen it yet.
3: Yeah. And, and, and I want to be clear that like, I, I think that, you know, everybody has different ways that they want to build decks and play the game. And some people, these limitations are like really exciting. And like, that's what they want when they're looking at investigator. And that's totally cool. Like there's nothing wrong with that at all. It's just looking at this from a perspective of somebody that's like, I kind of want to. I don't want to play an investigator that's just like strictly worse than another one. I don't think I'm ever going to play Preston.
1: Yeah, I think I think Preston's much more about the flavor than than about the overtly being good at things aspect. I mean, like to be fair, his elder sign effect is probably one of the best in the game. Yeah, pay mm. two
3: to automatically.
2: Oh. Re- it's like succeed. I don't think there's yeah. an auto
1: auto succeed other than not every uh,
3: elder sign
0: basically you kind of assume you're going to succeed because it's usually like a zero at least. Well, but uh he has one in all the stats, so. You know, <laughs> in, right. in, in his case, maybe a zero is not good
3: enough. Uh. <laughs> I I do speaking on what you said about the flavor. I do really appreciate the portrayal of a rich guy as a pretty useless, not all that talented dude who kind of just uses his uh, inherited money to make up for uh, lack of sure, you know, whatever. That's a, that's a really good. Uh, I, I like it. Yeah,
2: yeah. I think it's a very yeah. flavorful design. I, too. I yeah. think he's like going to be really interesting. And you sit down and you're going to build up his deck. And then you're gonna like test him out on Night of the Zealot, and you're gonna draw Rotting Remains three times and he's just make it host, right? Like, because you can't streetwise your way out of that. So I don't know. Right? I don't know. Well, he can. Yeah. Say, that's all I can say. He can always run Peter to protect
0: himself from that scenario, but still. Yeah, yeah. that's true. It's true. Yeah. I'll probably be interested in trying him maybe like once the whole uh, cycle is out and there's like maybe more cards to see that can maybe interact with the money stuff. That's a good yeah, idea. and I'll you know I'll see see that if he fair. is like fun to play. He might not end up being like better than other rogues or whatever, but I think he'll at least be interesting to to mess around with. So
3: yeah, and I, like I'm if they want to make like one one ish investigator per box be kind of like a puzzle mm-hmm. investigator that's like a weird deck building challenge, I'm
0: totally fine with that. Like that seems pretty yeah. reasonable.
2: He's the weird one. I
0: think they have, they have basically been doing that for everyone, right? Like they had like Lola and then Calvin. I don't. know. Did they have anything in oh, Dunwich? Yeah. That was weird. Maybe not.
2: Jim. Nah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe,
0: like, Jenny or Jim. Jim. Not, not really. But, yeah,
3: but, like, yeah, really. maybe, they're maybe like, since Carcosa, that's kind of how they do it. Like, that's fine. That's, like, pretty reasonable, I think. Yeah. And eventually you could have a whole team. You could have, like, a Calvin, uh, Preston, Lola, and, like, whatever the next one is, like, four-player team of, uh, I don't know. <laughs>
2: Misfit Toys? Yeah. Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah, there you go.
1: <laughs> so... In in conclusion, I think I think Preston's a very interesting prospect, but not not one that I see being incredibly exciting if I'm looking at it from efficiency standpoint, I guess.
3: Yeah, be prepared to have a rough time on scenarios or for your group to be doing most of the heavy lifting, which is, you know, that that's that can be okay.
1: <laughs> but he's a millionaire. that's what he wants. Or he's a he's a just yeah, fun there fun man you go. baby. So let's move on.
0: Yeah, let's uh let's take a look at the next next investigator is uh Diana Stanley, the redeemed cultist. Just to summarize her deal, she's like I got average stats and everything except Will. Uh her will's a one. But uh she can buff her will, uh, because anytime she plays a card that or any any one of her cards uh, cancels or ignores a, a game effect or a card effect, uh she can tuck it underneath herself to give herself plus one will, and also get a like a card and a resource. At least uh once per phase. And uh yeah, so and her deck building is like a zero to five mystic and also zero to two guardian. And of course, zero to five neutral. And her signature cards is she has the Twilight Blade, which basically lets her do uh, a regular fight action using her will instead of fight. I think the main part of the card, though, is it lets her also play uh, or commit event and skill cards that that she's tucked underneath herself as if they were in her hand. So it gives her a way to reuse those cards, although she cannot re-tuck them after playing them. Her other signature card is Dark Insight, which is uh, basically a card that lets you uh, cancel an encounter card or weakness. Um, it does get it does make it get reshuffled, but it's it's basically like a it's just a cancel effect, similar to Ward. It costs a little bit more and it's a little bit different, but yeah. So she gets like a, and she gets to start with that in her hand for free. So she automatically starts with a card that can cancel that She can use up early on to start boosting up her will. Her weakness is, uh, if she draws her weakness and she doesn't have any cards tucked underneath, she'll shuffle it back up into her deck. But otherwise, uh, for every card she has tucked, uh, she has to discard that card, which will nerf her nerf her willpower, or she takes a horror. And she can't cancel that, so she can't even, she can't use her dark insight to cancel, cancel a terrible secret. So. powers? Yeah. I do like the art, yeah. Man, that is good <laughs> art. Anyway. So, she's, uh, I think she's also kind of a little bit of a puzzle investigator. I, I'd say yeah. I'd say Not as much as Preston is, but I don't know, I I, th- I think she's kinda neat. She there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, mystic cards that will like cancel or ignore effects. So she can like pretty easily bo- boost up her willpower, I think, up to like at least a three or a four. And once she's at a four, that's the same as most of the mystics. And she can even she if she's mm. running really well, she can get herself up to like a six, and then she doesn't even need uh boosts from you know assets or whatever. So I think she'll be like maybe a little bit slower to start than other mystics because she has to take the time to boost herself up. But you know once she once she gets going, I think she'll be in good shape. And it motivates you to play a lot more of the cancel effect cards, which maybe other than like ward, I don't know if we and maybe dodge, I don't know if we use those too much. But yeah, uh, yeah.
2: So what do you, what do you guys think? Here's my question for you: Do you think she's supposed to be like a generalist because after she cancels a couple things now she's like a threes across the board or do you think she's like support where her job is to cancel a bunch of game effects i that's what i can't i can't figure out like what her role is
0: i think like like she has three in all of her other stats which normally mystics you like use a spell to so you can just use willpower and not have to use the other three stats so i think that she has that to make her be like more like a generalist to start where she can kind of do stuff until she cancels stuff, and then she becomes really powerful later in the game. I don't know if, like, canceling effects is, like, a... Like, that's just kind of, like, a thing that Mystics can do a lot of, and that's, like, helpful. But I don't know if she... I don't know if she can just, like, be focused on, oh, all I do is stop bad stuff from happening.
3: Yeah, I don't remember offhand how many good mystic cards there are that cancel things. I mean, obviously, of Protection we really like, and some of the other ones maybe were kind of like borderline good enough, and if you're playing Diana, maybe they become good enough. Yeah. The thing that's kind of exciting to me about her is I sort of like the uh, Guardian off-class. I think that's kind of cool. She has um, her unique weapon, the Twilight Blade, is cool, and she can play prepared for the worst to have a better chance of actually finding it, which is usually the problem with the signature things.
1: Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: And then I think that she could also do pretty well with the um, the spirit theme, the like one experience purple knife that can be used to either to cast spells or you can stab people with it. Mm-hmm. She's all about knives, man. I'm kind of excited by that kind of blend, because that's something we haven't really seen before. And you could definitely play her as kind of like a, a, maybe like a fighter person that also has some support stuff with the canceling. I'm definitely a little bit, it's like Ben was saying, she's almost like a mini Preston in that You have to jump through a lot of hoops just to get her will up to where it would be where you started if you were playing like Agnes or Akachi. So yeah. that's kind of a bummer. Um, but I don't know, I'm kind of interested to see how the kind of like purple and blue blend plays out because we haven't seen that before.
1: Yeah, definitely. That was the one thing that I kind of wanted to draw the attention to a little more. She has a very big deck size. I think the only other person who has a 35 uh, deck size is Low. Oh, I didn't even see that. And she also has additional setup, which says that Dark Insight begins the game in her hand. So she has, like like every invest- well, most investigators, she has one weakness, one signature card in the deck somewhere. But she also starts with that Dark Insight. And flavorfully, I think that's really cool. I think that she has the uh, the whole redeemed cultist thing happening mechanically, as well as you know, kind of kind of on on her. Uh, yeah,
0: I mean, she has a bigger deck flavor. size, but I think the idea is like whenever she tucks a card, it's it, it decreases her deck size, and when she tucks a card, she gets to draw immediately. Sure. So, I think it kind of evens it out to be like she'll end up kind of closer to a thirty card deck.
1: Sure. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And that's probably why they gave her 35. I
3: guess it really just all hinges on if you're able to play enough good canceling cards and use them enough. Because, yeah, if you're getting a draw every time you do, then that's pretty cool.
0: And a resource. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So This is definitely another one where I kind of want to wait and see what comes out in the next couple of Mythos packs. Because she's going to need that critical mass of, like, I think generally useful cancels. And I Mm -hmm. don't know if, like... You know, dodge is a fine card, and it's nice when you can, like mitigate someone else's attack of opportunity or something but i mean i i think half the time you're going to have dodge in your hand and so then you're just going to like oh i'm going to investigate and take an attack of opportunity so i can put this under my uh id when re- in reality you should be like killing the bad guy first but she's going to do like weird things like that
3: like it's going to encourage you to cancel things that you wouldn't normally really actually need to cancel just to get a card under her and get the yeah the yeah I don't know, but definitely kind of interesting. I mean, I think if there's even like later in Circle Undone if they print, you know, maybe like an ally that gives you like will and fight or like will and strength or something like that and has some kind of useful ability, like that would go a long way.
2: Yeah. Or if there's just other cards that she can take that can buffer other stats. You know, like combat of three is actually not very good because there's not like a ton of ways that you can boost combat, but you know, Machete's a good card. Beat cops pretty good, you throw those in there, upgrade your beat cops. I don't know.
0: She could go like hard on the on on being a fighter and just get some knives and as you said beat cops.
1: Yeah. That kind of helps her stabilize before she gets set up, right? Cuz she Guardian cards are generally pretty good. Mm-hmm. So I think that she might be able to lean on those enough while she's getting her will built up and canceling things and stuff like that.
0: I was planning on trying to build a deck with deck for her. It's it is hard to like you can, if you have to decide how many Guardian cards you want to put in the deck to like be able to have her have a early game versus like Stuff building up to make her be good in the end game. Because if you go too hard one way, then she's not gonna actually be good at the other thing.
2: What if you use her kind of like a daisy, where you're you have access to these cool mystic cards, but like, what if you don't use like the willpower based stuff? What if she uses guns instead of shriveling, and then she uses like scrying and stuff like that uh, to be more of like that support mystic? And then I can also handle the bad guys because I got dodge and a machete.
3: That could be pretty cool. I'm, I'm definitely if I could edit her a little bit. Like, I really wish that she had four combat and maybe like two agility or two intellect or something because mm. it just it, that this spread of like threes and everything is kind of like Jenny. It's just really rough because that's kind of not quite where you want to be to be consistently successful at something. So yeah, right. I really wish that she had lower in one of the other stats and, and four in, in in strength. But, uh, but yeah, I, I think you could still try to make a deck like that. and It might be kind of fun.
0: They could have given her zero willpower to start and four strength. There you go. (laughs) And then she'd at least, her potential would still be to get up
3: to five. So, yeah. But I don't know. Yeah. Kind of an interesting one as, as Ben was saying, kind of like a a little bit more like a, you know, a deck building puzzle investigator, but at at least a little bit more, we kind of have a slightly better idea of where to go with her than, than Preston, I think. So.
1: Yeah. So let's, let's head on to the next investigator. Uh...
2: Yeah. Uh, So next up we have the survivor, Rita Young. She is the athlete. And I think she's, like, on the track team at Miskatonic University. I mean, you guys are on the radio station there, so you probably know her, but... Oh, yeah, yeah. We, we see her around every now and then. Yeah, yeah.
1: She Yeah, she comes, she comes by every now and
2: then. Yeah, just quickly. She comes by very quickly. <laughs> <And> then, <laughs> yeah, very, they 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 very fast. Uh, so she's got a three willpower, two intellect, three combat, and five agility. And she's the only five agility investigator.
3: Uh,
2: and it kind of completes the set of stats with fives in them, right? You've got uh, Agnes, Akachi, yeah. Yeah. Mark, Daisy, and Norman, and now Rita. Um, so her ability says after you evade an enemy, you can either deal a damage to that enemy or you can move to a connecting location, uh, which is, it seems very flexible to me. Uh, her elder sign gives her a plus two until the end of the round. Ignore the limit on the above ability. So normally she can only do the uh, evade to deal a damage or move once per round. And If you draw the elder sign, then you can do that more than once per round. Um, her deck building, uh, because she's got a, a 13 total in stats, they reduce her deck building, uh, similar to someone like Mark. So she gets all the survivor cards, all the neutrals, and trick cards level 0 to 3, uh, which are mostly uh, rogue things that don't always pertain to her. Yeah, yeah. She has uh, a signature card called I'm Done Running, uh, which is an event that kind of reminds me of, um, Skids, uh, event where it's kind of situational, but can be really good. It says fast play only on your turn, ready and engage all enemies at your location. And then for the remainder of your turn, whenever you invade an enemy, instead of exhausting and disengaging from that enemy, you can deal it one damage. So essentially turning your agility into a weapon. Uh, and you can test to deal damage to enemies. Uh, and then speaking of enemies, her weakness is an enemy called the Hoods, um, which I think are just racists. Uh, thematically, Yeah, we don't like them.
0: Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah.
2: They're humanoid cultists, uh, three combat, three health, three agility. So pretty imposing, uh, particularly if you've had a lot of experience with three health enemies from Forgotten Age, you know that they're terrible. Ugh, three health. Um, they have Alert, they have Hunter, and Forced, after you evade Hoods, it attacks you for a damage and a horror. So obviously her number one way of dealing with enemies is to evade them and then deal the damage. And over time she can kind of wear stuff down if she wants that way, but she automatically gets counterattacked from the hoods if they're still alive. So even if
1: she misses too, cause she's got they've got, alert. cause it's got alert. Right. Yeah.
2: Uh, yeah. So, uh, I mean, my first impressions, I really like evading as a strategy in general. I think it's really interesting and you have to weigh the pros and cons of like, well, do I attack or do I evade? And, and that kind of stuff. Um, I like that it starts with a base 5 because she kind of has this built-in weapon on the table from the start of the game, uh, if you think of it that way. I think her Elder Sign is pretty weak sauce uh, because, you know, limit once per round is... Like, I I don't think you're going to evade and then engage and then evade again to, like, deal multiple damage to an enemy, so...
3: Well, but, you know, like like Mark, you get the high stats, you get the restricted deck building, and you get a kind of bad Elder Sign, so...
2: Yeah, that's fair. And Mark's bad elder sign does not make him a bad investigator at all. So, nope. Uh, I also didn't say she has nine health, but only five sanity. So it's rolling numbers, uh, which we know can be a liability.
1: Yes, one hundred percent.
2: I don't know. What do you guys think?
1: So I actually was was uh, picked out. We we were going to actually do the circle and done all together, and we were trying to decide. Like we kind of want to do a run with the investigators <laughs> that came in this set. So mine, I, I chose Rita because I thought she might be cool uh to try out and and just to see more survivory type stuff happening. And it really occurred to me that there aren't a lot of trick cards that she has access to that are very uh like like synergistic, I guess, with with the way that she works. So the I remember the first thing that I thought when I was like when I saw Rita spoiled was that she's gotta be rogue too, because they have the um that one card Hatchet Man, yeah. which is the card. To play when you're Rita, right? Because it it basically it will trigger on the damage uh that she will do from from.
2: Uh, That's the skill card where it says uh, the next time you evade an enemy, or if if you successfully evade an enemy, you deal an extra damage to it next time you do damage. So it's like you commit it on the evade, and now she's doing two damage. With exactly, it. It yeah. Really good. yeah. Also,
3: just so many things like pickpocketing and um, eavesdrop, like a lot of the good evasion focused cards are in green. And it's really a bummer that she doesn't get to play them.
2: Yeah, but you got to differentiate her from Wendy somehow. So that's just apparently how they've done that.
3: Yeah, I, I agree that I think that might have been why they did it. I think it's just difficult because I, I uh, Rita was actually my, my favorite investigator in um, Mansions of Badness. Like, I like her a lot. But I just think that in this game, I think that any deck I would try to make with Rita, I think would be more fun and probably better in Wendy or Finn. So I think I would probably just stick to those two if I was going to make kind of an
1: agility-focused deck. I mean, five is pretty good. Yeah, that is true. It is very good, yeah. I mean, and especially considering, like, the survivors have access to Peter, who is a very, very good ally. Mm. And he kind of can kind of take the edge off of the fact that she only has five uh Silas is also another investigator that has 5 uh sanity and once you get Peter down you just don't ever have to worry about sanity ever again.
3: I I just don't think that you have enough things that you can do with that 5 agility that will help the scenario move forward. Like you you can't really get clues, you don't have like lock picks and uh, and things like that. And uh you know evading things is good, but uh I mean there's definitely some situations like in Forgotten Age where you can get by with just evading and not killing anything, but I think that in general it's not quite as good as actually killing things
1: yeah so i like her i think that she's really interesting but she definitely has to draw from everything pretty much from from neutral and survivor uh the tricks the tricks there are some interesting tricks that that work but they don't like again like directly synergize with her
2: yeah i don't know if you guys have done building for uh calvin or silas very much but if you're restricted to just a survivor card pool I think relative to other card pools, they're kind of (laughs) suffering. So, you know, if this is all survivors, plus two copies of Slip Away, like that's kind of what her deck building is right now. Yeah, basically. And that's pretty rough.
3: Yeah, that's a really rough color to be completely limited to, aside from a couple random trick cards. Right.
2: So, uh, you know, again, if survivors get another uh, great way to pick up clues, that's not newspaper. Like newspaper level two, I think is good. Regular newspapers kind of... Kind of, I'd rather have Flashlight, I think. So. I like
3: that, yeah. And winging it definitely helps too, but it's just, uh, you know, she also only has two intellect and there's probably not a critical mass of good clue-getting cards that
2: can really make her
3: like a focused clue person.
2: If there was a way you could give her a bunch of money and then she could use Plucky to boost her winging it, there hmm. you go. That's only like a three-card combo. <laughs> we yeah, just solved it. Boom. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm not down on all of these investigators. I'm just trying to to really like dig into them and I think they're all really fascinating and I'm personally really excited to play as Rita because of the agility and you know you're gonna put Peter down she's gonna have a six in agility she'll be fine Um, it's just making sure that she's still contributing to the group yeah and that's the thing that I'm trying to look into exactly she does have a three combat and damage on her ID and I don't think we've really touched on that yet but she could be great at handling enemies
0: yeah I I think Rita because she's gonna be good at evading, I think she'll definitely be like a lot stronger in lower player counts. Because I think evading is a lot more valuable uh, if you are playing with like one or two people, because you can usually like scoop up clues from location, evade monster, and leave, and then you don't have to worry about that monster again. But when you are playing with like three or four mm-hmm. people, evading is not as great a solution a lot of the time, especially if they're, if you still need to like scoop up the clues from the location or whatever. Yeah, that's a good point. Because it means you have to evade multiple times. Yeah. Uh, which, in, the, in that case, you might as well just, I know, you'd prefer to just kill it, probably. So, but I think she, she may fall in the category of, like, she has potential if they, like, you know, like, one or two trick cards that they release that maybe work well with her could, you know, really turn the tide for how strong she is. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah.
3: Should we move on to the uh, the last one, uh,
1: Marie Lambeau? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, let's go for it. The so last one is Marie Lambeau. She's the entertainer. And again, she, she was seen before in the Investigators of Arkham uh, promo book, where if you had pre-ordered it, uh, you get a really snazzy uh, Azathoth playmat and you get her.
2: All nine um, people in the world that have her know how much she, how, how good she is. <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> yes. So uh, Marie Lambeau is an entertainer. She's a performer and a sorcerer. Uh, she plays with Doom. So she says while well, you have one or more Doom on cards you control, you may take an additional action to use spell cards or activate spell abilities. Her Elder Sign kind of helps her mitigate that, so she says that she, uh, when you get the Elder Sign, you get a plus one, and then you can add one Doom or remove a Doom from a card you control. Uh, her stats are pretty fine. She's got four in Will and Intelligence, and then one in Fight, but they don't really need to care about that, or, uh, Strength, rather, and three in Agility. She's got six Health and eight Sanity, and... She is a, so she's a really interesting, uh, in terms of her deck building, she has spell cards, level zero to five. So that is any spell card across all factions. Cool. Mystic cards, level zero to three and neutral cards, level zero to five. Also occult cards, level zero and up to five other level zero seeker and or survivor cards, which I believe we've seen with, um, with, Cal- uh, not Calvin, uh, Finn, right? Yeah. He does that same thing? Yeah. Um, so that's interesting, and i do want to come back to that, but she does have uh she has been spoiled for a while, so people are kind of more familiar with with uh you know what's going on with her but her uh her signature card is interesting um it is currently like the only thing that prevents the doom or the the agenda sorry from from advancing due to doom uh reaching its threshold, so it basically says that uh you can, it's fast and you can it's an event that you can play when the agenda would advance. So if an ancient evils pops up, if it just kind of goes naturally or whatever, until the end of the phase, the agenda cannot advance by reaching its doom threshold. And then you remove mis- Mystifying Song from being because that'd be crazy if you just could keep
2: doing <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, that's cool though.
1: Very interesting ability. Very, uh, very unique. And her weakness is an asset. And his name is Baron Camedi. Uh He's Lord of the Cemetery. Uh, he's an avatar. He is... One of the most terrifying uh weaknesses that i i think i I know of um when you put him into play he he uh you have to kind of put doom on him in order to get him to leave, <laughs> so you have to like accrue three doom on him and then he uh he leaves uh you can discard him if he has three or more on him when he's out though when any investigator would take any amount of damage. Uh, in his location, oh, you do additional damage to that investigator. So he, yeah, he amplifies damage, which is kind of terrifying because Marie, again, she doesn't have the worst health. She's got six, but you know, she might be paired up with other people. She seems like she could fight a lot better than other mystics because she can have, she essentially has an additional action to use spell cards and abilities. So she could like magic punch somebody, uh, for free almost, uh, storm of spirits. Yeah. Storm of spirits. Yeah. Uh, or she could uh, use her shriveling ability on somebody or something like that. Um, so she might be better in terms of like action economy, but wh- what do you guys think?
2: No, her her deck building reminds me of Finn, and then she gets the extra ability, like the extra action every turn that's kind of like Finn, uh, but it's kind of conditional. So, whereas I think Finn is extremely strong, I think Maria is going to be, she's going to have a, a high skill floor, meaning that if you'd She's gonna be kind of rough to pilot at first and you gotta get good at that.
0: I think there's a lot of people that don't like mystics because they get join a group with someone where they start like playing with doom and they <laughs> don't know how to do it correctly. Sure. So they end up like costing their team several turns. But if you can learn how to do it correctly with Marie, I think she has a lot of potential with uh Several several of the cards that control Doom, what was it? Is it mm-hmm. uh, David Renfield, I think, gives, like, an intellect and, like, a, you a bunch of money. Mm-hmm. And she has high enough intellect that she doesn't need to rely on, like, Red Sea King to get clues. So she could run, like, Renfield to get a bunch of money. I think
1: Renfield gives you Will,
0: I'm pretty sure. Will? Yeah, it's, uh, it's Will. Who am I thinking? One of the Mystic Allies gives you one book. Alyssa, Alyssa. Oh, Alyssa Graham. Oh,
2: Alyssa Graham would also be good in Marie though, because you can... Yeah, you can bury that encounter card, right? You can get yeah. Doom on her? Yeah, because she has
0: Doom. So I guess that's what I was thinking of. But she she has a lot more potential to, like, all right, if I'm going to pick a Mystic that's going to like try to actually mess with Doom other than, like, mm-hmm. Arcane Initiate, which I think we usually use in Mystics, like, she's going to be one that I'm going to actually be wanting to try it on. Yeah. And it's definitely going to, like, scare the rest of your team when you're uh, hanging out with, like, oh, yeah, I got, like, a couple Doom on this, this guy. Don't worry. I'll get rid of it. It's fine. <laughs> uh, so I'm excited for that. Um I actually like the interaction with her um her weakness with the Baron where he basically forces you to ha- he he gives you a way to have doom uh in play hmm. as you're like working towards getting rid of him. Oh sure, yeah. So I do think that's kind of neat and uh, I definitely like her. Her signature card is very powerful, as Dane said already.
1: Definitely should mention he does take the ally slot. Mm. So if you had any
0: allies, they you mean
2: allies now. like Arcane Initiate or David Renfield or Alyssa Graham, the three that we already mentioned.
0: <laughs> 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 yeah, it's it's not that bad. I mean, she could also get like if she wanted to, she could get like Milan as like a yellow card. Um, but I mean, that just motivates you get charisma if if you're really worried about your ally slot. So sure, yeah, yeah.
2: you could like. You know if you've got Renfield up to like three doom or something, and then you draw the Baron, you just lost all that doom, so like that doesn't that doesn't seem bad mm. it's convenient in that Jay.
0: case yeah
2: <laughs> I think uh I mean I would definitely agree with what Ben
3: said about the skill floor. I think that how good she is is going to be very dependent scenario to scenario on the structure of the 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 act deck and stuff and like mm. how much what the doom threshold is because if you have a lot of short like for instance, on Essex County Express. I think she's going to be a disaster, right? Cause you have all these little short agendas or with like two mm-hmm. or three doom sure. threshold, yeah. but something where you have longer ones where the threshold's like eight, then you have some room to play around and you can get a lot of benefit from her ability before eventually getting rid of your doom to try to squeeze in an extra couple turns. So I'm, I'm kind of excited to give her a try. Honestly, um, if in the right campaign, like knowing ahead of time, that there's going to be some really tricky parts. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's like a neat, it's kind of like a fun, Fun thing to try.
2: Yeah. I want to point out that her intellect is four, so she should be pretty good at getting clues, right? Yes. Yeah.
3: Yeah, that's really cool. Like, um, because yeah, it it's like Ben said, you you don't have to rely on right of seeking, which is normally is like the kind of sort of clunky but powerful way to get clues if you're playing purple. Uh with her, you really don't need it. So that's cool.
0: The other thing I like about her is she's definitely based off of um Marie Laveau, who's a, who's like a occult a character in from like New Orleans. Really. As is
3: as is Baron Samiti, right? He's also like kind of like a f- folktale... Yeah, like
0: like she's definitely she's definitely like uh I don't wanna say that I wouldn't want to say that Fantasy Flight Delectory ripped her off from that story. <laughs> but she, she's very similar. Um her name is spelled differently, so it's not the same. But I don't know. I I just I like the mythology behind her as being like uh her mother her mother or yeah. grandmother was like a, a voodoo witch and she's you no know, now she's a singer and enchants and people and stuff, so
3: they do that a lot for all of these uh, investigators because like Joe Diamond is definitely kind of like a, a Sam Spade, uh, Philip Marlowe, kind of like a uh, pastiche. And uh, like uh, we haven't seen him in this game yet, but Monterey Jack is kind of like an Indiana Jones yeah. guy. Sure, Like they, sure, they yeah. love to take characters from fiction and turn them into investigators, which I actually really like. I think that's cool.
2: I think uh, Jim is also kind of like that. He comes from like a a Lovecraftian short story. I want to say Dead Man Stomp. That, no, no, no. Yeah. Maybe it was like Uh the Call of Cthulhu RPG in the 80s.
0: There was definitely a Call of Cthulhu game that like one of my friends ran, and halfway through it, I was like, "Wait a second, this is just Jim. <laughs> this a guy playing a saxophone, and we're going to a graveyard to deal with uh, the dead that are getting re- resurrected." I'm like, oh, uh, this is great. Uh, I
3: mean, well, J- well, Jim and Arkham plays a trumpet, so it's totally different.
1: Wildly so,
2: different. Yeah. yeah oh, yeah, oh yeah. right.
0: Yeah. yeah all right. Different
1: section. Woodwind, not
3: woodwind.
0: exactly. Yeah. Completely. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I'm sorry for making the comparison. It's okay. We we uh, forgive you. Yeah.
1: <laughs>
3: Yeah. Uh, but,
0: uh, yeah, you know, she, she seems pretty cool. Yeah, I, I've i been waiting for her to come out to, like, be able to give her a try. But you're right that there's definitely, uh, like, some campaigns where, she, like, she won't be able to do her Doom thing at all. and She'll yeah. just be, like, a, a mystic without an ability, like, on, like on training. Yeah, I
2: think you got to play her, you got to build her deck so that she doesn't rely on the Doom, right? Yeah. Like, she's got a four intellect and a one combat. Just focus on clues. And then if you can throw in some spell cards and David Renfield for money, then, like, you're cool. But... Hmm. Yeah. yeah sure seems reasonable
1: so kind of to wrap the investigators up I think we we i did want to just kind of touch on Carolyn for for one specific reason is that so she's the guardian in the pack uh she is like, generally guardians are fighty type people like Mark and uh Larry and uh you know all of those guys who will murder pretty much anything that comes off the encounter deck, whereas Carolyn is not so much that way the way that she she works she's more kind of like a medic role where she heals people's horror and gives gets money for it and gives people money for it. She has a high intellect as well, so she can kinda of like do secrety type stuff. So kind of in this whole pack or in this whole uh cycle Uh, We don't really see like a dedicated, you know, like Markham Horror murder things kind of thing. You know, like we have like Joe, Joe Diamond is kind of like that. You know, he's got he's got the guns out. He's kind of that kind of thing. And and Rita seems to be like she might be good at standing in for that kind of thing. But all of these investigators are kind of atypical uh, and they play on very specific parts of their color identities um, in that Preston is very focused on the money aspect of Rogue, which I think is kind of almost what they wanted at the first in the first, they were like, well, what do rogues do? Well, they get a lot of money. And we have seen that, you know, in... in um, Jenny. In, uh, what's the card? Um, Hot Streak, things uh, like that. Yeah. Like, that give a ton of money. But haven't seen a lot of ways to use them in ways more than pumping, like, with Streetwise or something like that. Now we see a lot of cr- these these new cards that we can get into, like, next episode or something, uh, that really f- help flesh out the the color identities. uh and, and what they're trying to do with these investigators.
3: Yeah. And I'm, I'm really interested to see, we haven't been able to play TCU yet um, because it's only just been released, but I'm really interested to see if maybe I'm not, this isn't definitely the case, but maybe the fact that we don't really have kind of serious monster murdering investigators in this box is an indication that the campaign won't require that quite as much. Mm-hmm. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if that's the case.
2: Yeah. I think the monster handlers are definitely Joe diamond and Rudy young and Rita is going to use like a fire axe and spikes on the bottom of her track shoes to like kill dudes. Yeah. So I don't know.
3: I think Diana Stanley actually is is
1: up there too. Mm. Right, because she's Guardian as well. Yeah, I forgot about that. But it's a much more gray area, though, right? It's not like just very, very like baby Seeker man who can get a ton of clues but can't handle himself and like very s- scary, stabby, mm. uh, butcher
0: lady. <laughs> uh, whoa, whoa! Are you are you insulting Zoe? that sounded like it <laughs> mm. sounded like a dig at her i don't know i'm
1: not insulting her
0: she's <laughs> also the jet plane
2: man
1: she's great
0: i um, yeah. we have to get in a fight but that's <laughs> fine yeah i agree with you guys said and uh i am also happy with like the cards that came out in the corset. i think or not the corset. the with with the circle undone all seem like they support these characters more than just being like general more general cards yeah uh which usually come out so yeah so, I mean, I think we 're all
1: on board for uh, seeing what these investigators can do with kind of their their uh, niche roles in in how they uh, what they bring to their color identity but yeah so so, Graham, thanks so much for joining us today. I think uh, yeah, guys, it was a really productive episode, and we we talked a lot about the interesting points of these investigators so uh, Graham, is there anything else that you wanted to say?
2: oh, well, uh, Dane, funny, you should mention it. Um, <laughs> I had so much fun today on today 's podcast that. I thought, what if I go back in time and get some friends to also make an Arkham podcast with me? And so we're currently in production of uh, the first episode of a new Arkham LCG podcast called The Pallid Cast Detective Agency. Whoa. Wow. It's wow. such a good name. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm, we're super excited. Uh, we wanted something that communicates that we're all kind of goofy and we're hoping that we don't take ourselves too seriously uh but yeah it's it's me it's my buddy chris it's my other buddy nick and together we are the men in the pallet cast so get stoked <laughs> it's gonna be good I love it can
3: our podcast and your podcast be, be best friends and we'll like foster solidarity between the coastal areas and the the frozen uh, upper Midwest can we can we do that the, the frozen yeah. wasteland
2: of middle America <laughs> uh, absolutely yeah, yeah and Chris is in uh, Seattle so you know he gets to do the same time zone thing that you get to do oh yeah uh, awesome Dan which is fun
3: there you go yeah and we should also mention definitely check out uh, Graham's blog the Chilo horror because it's, it's really really good it's definitely yes. one of the best uh, one of the best sources for like cool interesting articles about this game that you're going to find oh thanks man
2: yeah like i said the shipment from shiloh i is a netrunner podcast i used to do and shiloh is in the fiction for netrunner it's called the android universe and shiloh is like future chicago and the idea is that all of illinois became like a mega city so it combined chicago and st louis so that's where Shiloh comes from. And I kind of wanted to, to keep that identity, but then also make it about Arkham. So that's where the Shiloh horror name oh. comes from. And I try to put stuff up like every week, but, you know, they're all pretty in depth. So is it St. Louis? I always thought it was Chicago to Buffalo. Um, I, well, so the problem with Chicago to Buffalo is just that there's a bunch of lakes in the way, which I guess in the future, like maybe we just, like sucked up all the water or whatever.
3: I I always thought it was just, like, a giant sprawl, like, along the lakes, but yeah, it also could be that the lakes have turned into, like, cyber lakes or something, so you never know. Yeah, definitely.
0: (laughs) Cyber lakes. Dan, you didn't tell me there was, like, lore behind Netrunner. Like, if if you just, (laughs) like, worked a little bit of lore into your explanation of the game and how it worked... I probably would have been really into it.
2: Too late, so I like it. one late. of the reasons Arkham's pretty great. Yeah, you so. didn't even tell him about Boss Wash. It's I it's ev- this mega city along the coast from. I mean, Boston but everybody, has read, everybody who's read, everybody read Gibson River already
3: knows all about Boss Wash, right? Like we're all we're, we're all on Team Boss Wash. We're all we're all rooting for the <laughs> Boss Wash uh, alligators or whatever those. I've never heard Team is
2: Boss Wash used so much. <laughs> yeah, no, all it's, at once. It's,
3: uh, <laughs> uh, it's it's great. It's great.
2: So so
1: guys, you heard, you heard it here first. Graham is going to be joining uh, the community and in creating incredible podcast content. But viewers, what were your opinion on the investigators? Did you like our analysis? Are you excited to make up some new deck lists? What are your thoughts on how, how each of them work and their color identities and things? also viewers how are you how
3: are you viewing our podcast do you have cameras in our <laughs> in our host no no, no uh, do no
0: don't don't tell dane
2: don't tell Dane, he's not being filmed D- dane's on tilt dane's on tilt he's lost it he's gone i love it
1: i i have lost it entirely uh comment wherever you listen to podcasts or email us at radio at gmail.com and until next time everyone
2: see you soon bye bye see ya